0: Kaiju Network Podcast Episode One Thirty Two, where we have a very healthy obsession with Kaiju. I am your co-host, Kent, and with me is your other co-host, Jason. And I am freaking
1: pissed off today.
0: Well, why don't you tell him why you're <laughs> freaking pissed off today, Jason?
1: Well, um, the interesting thing has happened just uh, I would say about twenty or so minutes ago before uh, we. Both of us have uh, gathered before doing this episode. And and I know you probably see the uh, little thing says powered by Lightstream there. I can't freaking get that off now because apparently what we're using, apparently Lightstream, is now going all things pro and all the benefits that we used for the last several months are now going up to the pro versions (laughs) and we only have less than four hours left of streaming on the free thing that
0: we're currently on. So it's very possible this is the, the final uh, podcast at this moment on Lightstream. We'll, we'll have to figure some alternatives potentially uh, well, after we, the fact or look into shelling out some dough. Well, for- we did sort of
1: discuss one of the possibilities before we started the stream here, but um, as far as uh, the one plan that's above the free uh they do like either monthly or annual, and annual is a bit cheaper than doing it monthly. Yeah, but the yearly thing for this one plan that's called Creator for Lightstream is three hundred bucks, and <laughs> I don't know if yeah. I really want to shell
0: out that money. <laughs> Well, and I've been thinking about, I might, um, and I know it's still a decent chunk of change. I'm not trying to poo-poo the fact, but, yeah. uh, you know, when you do the math, like it's 25 bucks a, a month per year, um, which really, when you do, again, when you do the math, isn't all that terrible, but um, it's just the fact that, again, like we've been doing this for free for a decade, you know, we don't have any money coming in. We haven't been doing patreon stuff we haven't been doing any sort of fundraisers or selling stuff or anything like that this has been a labor of love and so it just seems like anymore if we find a a free streaming service uh they they end up eventually um you know it it ends up being this kind of hidden free trial period and then It's like, okay, now give us money. And I'm just like, no. And um, well, and then and then the other option too, but we've tried
1: it. I've tried it before on my Mac, but it just n- never seemed to work, which was OBS. And I have for the life of me.
0: OBS was BS. Yeah.
1: <laughs> for the life of me, I have no idea what was going on. It was mainly the audio part that wasn't going through for the most part. And I literally
0: have no idea the reason why it was doing that yeah so we'll be figuring I, something out um this this could end up being a short podcast anyways um but it will we'll keep everybody posted via social media as far as what we're going to do going forward we just that's kind of our issue yeah. right now and, um, I,
1: and then uh we've also discussed po- possibly the uh the only other alternative route for the next few or so months uh, is just sort of going back to our original way of doing things, not doing thing anything live for the time being and just going back to Skype, only
0: mm-hmm. doing things audio for the time. For, until further notice yeah yeah. and the unfortunate thing about that is that there's no video of our glorious faces and then we can't interact with a lot of you guys live and that's but you know what it's better than nothing i guess but um yeah we'll figure it out and we'll just kind of keep everybody posted going forward so that's about it yeah um let's just kind of get into a little bit of news. I'll start first Um, for anybody who's not aware uh, Ultraman orb origin saga and the return of Ultraman recently were released onto Blu-ray. And so if you're a fan of Ultraman or, or what have you, or you enjoy uh, some wonderful fun tokusatsu um, go ahead and pick those up. They are now available. (laughs) Yeah. I I picked up uh, the Ultraman
1: orb origin saga and movie uh the other well just this past weekend over at Best buy <laughs> for nine bucks which was pretty reasonable and they also it's like for the last few or so months they only just had uh ultra q and Ultraman only available and they never had the like some of the more recent ones released onto their shelves and everything. But yeah. then just this last weekend, they finally got Ultra 7 and the return of Ultraman on shelves. But um, I'm going to wait till next weekend, which is my birthday. So th- those two will be my birthday gifts to me.
0: Yeah, I purchased Ultraman Origin Saga um, last night while I was talking to Jason because I. I- I'm like, have you have you been able to watch it lately? And he goes, no, not really. And I'm just like, I don't know, because I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the more contemporary Ultraman stuff, just because I, I I just don't think the acting is all that great. I find a lot of the stories a little bit more lackluster, and I think some of that wonderful charm that i love about like the older shows i don't think that's there um with a lot of the newer ones and i think some of the stuff can kind of get a little too emo for me at times um and so i kind of was trying to pick jason's brain just to see if it was worth it and, i mean and i've so i've right. seen
1: i've seen the show a few years ago when uh, well, Crunchyroll did that uh, simulcast
0: well yeah all some of I mean,
1: these newer ultraman shows
0: well yeah like what was it i think or it was orbergeed like well i was going to try to cover both of them for our end of the year show and one of them i can't remember if it was orbergeed that i sat down to watch the movie and i remember telling you first of all again here we go my favorite thing about a lot of these new Ultraman things like the subtitles I couldn't read them half the time and from what I did see um, I wasn't overly excited about it it just didn't draw me in Um, but it was one of those movies that happen after the series had gone through so like I was telling Jason uh, at the time I said I it, it's I have to go through the series first in order for that movie to make sense yeah uh, and so um, that
1: would be, be the only logical reason just to watch those like the origin story which to me I think is like the the aftermath of everything that has happened in all Ultraman orb and as well as the movie too. So you'll at least have to watch the TV show just to sort of get the backstory of, of all the characters and what happened.
0: Yeah. I, I saw, and I don't remember exactly what it said on Amazon, but it, I think it said something to the effect that it's in between orb and Geed, uh, but, it's supposed to take place i think before or because it's an origin um i think so um i can't keep a lot of this stuff straight because i thought the ultraman series that came after seven was like either leo i think it was uh but i was, was wrong Ultra, was Ultra. of ultraman. Yep. um that looks actually pretty fun but um I went ahead and just bought Origin Saga anyways, just because it was twelve bucks, and I thought, well, for twelve bucks, that's actually not a complete, uh, you know, waste of money. Should it end up being something I don't like, and I went ahead and pre-ordered Ultraman X because I've heard nothing but good things about that. But like I told Jason, I said this is kind of my last shot at giving newer Ultraman series. Uh, uh, shows and, and what have you a try just because like i said a moment ago i'm not a fan of the newer stuff so um, i think i I'll think you would uh, i think you would enjoy ultra nx like. yeah and and we'll see but um uh, yeah so um
1: and i know that some a couple of interesting news items have come up for uh, GFest 27. And also, speaking of GFest 27, tomorrow will mark four more months until The two of us will go (laughs) to
0: Chicago. I thought of that like earlier in the week. I'm like, man, in about four months, it's going to be G Fest again. I know. It it felt like yesterday
1: that uh, we went to G Fest. And now here we are. We're four months from tomorrow. It's going to be G Fest 27. Mm -hmm. But um, with that said, as far as. PFAS 27 if I can bring this up uh, they've at least have announced a couple uh, special guests uh, for the upcoming uh, poop uh, <laughs> it's, it's not <laughs> uh, I was I was trying to get to the GFAM magazine website but for some reason it looks like to be down I don't know if I typed in something wrong, but, uh, anyways, uh, they announced a couple of guests so far. And one of them is the, uh, producer for all the three legendary Godzilla films, uh, Brian Rogers, I think it is, uh, Mr. Rogers. Yep. (laughs) So he's going to be, uh, one of the special guests that's going to be attending this year, which is pretty interesting in and of itself. (laughs) And then uh, one of the other guests, I forget I forget the name right now because uh, for some reason the G-Fan G site isn't coming up, uh, is uh, the guy who, who played as uh, the kid who rode on uh, Jet Jaguar's uh, shoulders at the yeah, end. Yeah, he played in Magellan <laughs> uh, and Hedora. Yep. Yep, so those are the only uh, two special guests that are going to be com-
0: coming for this year's G-Fest. So far, yeah, and no Robert Scott Field. Uh, Robert Scott Field has confirmed he will not be there again this year. Yeah,
1: and and I mentioned too, like, just about a year or so ago, that there there just has to be something that's up. or uh, Or it could be what's possibly been going on recently uh with the what whole he
0: said virus at least for, what he's no what he said at least for this year um was that what was it wonderfest or something like that some sort of convention deal in japan for years has been wanting him to go there <laughs> And, you know, they've been inviting him, but because it always happens around the time of G Fest, uh, the people who um, are responsible for setting up G Fest always got to, you know, uh, uh, in touch with Robert way beforehand to come. Mm. And. Uh, apparently that may not have been what happened last year but i know for sure for sure this year um that's the main reason they just never contacted him uh and so because this other convention of sorts has been wanting him for a number of years they contacted him robert said he heard nothing from the people at G Fest, and so he just went ahead and accepted the invitation to this other convention deal uh, over in Japan. So, well, and then it's, too. It's the people at G Fest, they just aren't contacting him.
1: Yeah, and that's that, that also. Builds on to that something must have happened about a year or
0: so ago. I'm not going to throw any conspiracy theories out there, but all <laughs> but, I'm going to say, we've
1: already is that, talked yeah, about, it's, it's weird. Yeah, we've already talked about that last year, so we don't even have to really bring that up again. But it's just sort of confirming.
0: <laughs> well thing about it and i like you and i we were talking about like a couple weeks ago on our last episode after we got off air um you know i haven't done any writing this year and that was on our site and that was something that I really wanted to do and I've been thinking too one of the things I want to write is sort of an open letter um, to the organizers at G-Fest and it's not you know it's not really anything to do with Robert Scott it has more to do just kind of with those of us who have been going to the convention for a while and basically kind of like can you spruce it up a little bit just every few years you know and that sort of thing um kind of an open letter whether or not anybody will read it i i doubt it but i mean it's just kind of um one of those deals where it's just like and I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum over the last three or so years on on this podcast where you and I have been flirting with the idea of not even uh, going back certain years. And then we keep going back. But, um, but I do know that this will certainly be
1: my last time for the next couple of years, at least.
0: Yeah. And I... And I plan on taking my son with me this year. And I do believe on some level he really would enjoy it, but he's still going to be a little too young, I think, to really appreciate a large chunk of it. Excuse me. And um, I, part of me has even thought, like, even if I do bring him and he does enjoy it and he wants to go back next year, yeah, I will consider it. Uh, but I don't know if I will just because, again, I'm burnt out by it. Chances are there's nothing going to – You know, dramatically change to kind of keep things interesting for those of us who have been going for a while at this year's convention. And I just kind of thought, too, you know what? It probably wouldn't hurt for my son just to even wait maybe a couple more years at least anyways. But then again, though, too, like I told you, I'm just not sure what the future for us here um, holds. And we're still within driving distance to the Chicago area. It's just over three and a half hour drive from here yeah and for uh, me isn't too bad so i mean yeah for me it's uh double that at least around six six and a half hours from here yeah and i just um you know and part of me is just kind of like well maybe i should just in case you know and because i've always thought well (sighs) heaven forbid uh hopefully this doesn't happen fingers crossed if we end up having to move in like a couple of years and we end up moving to where the only way to get here is via plane sure you know i know my wife she probably would be like yeah sure if you want to go then go but it's going to be a lot more expensive because then i got to get tickets and um you know flying's not cheap and and all that fun stuff so i just and i won't be able to probably stay as long either i don't know but um it's there's just a lot of question marks but that was one of the things i thought about doing was just kind of writing an open letter to the g-fest organizers and just kind of being like can we please like try to figure something out uh here but you know
1: We'll yeah, see. <laughs> I know. I know they sort of discussed about that in like the very one of the very last panels uh, last year, and they say about you know like one of the attendees asked about you know sponsorships and all that, and they and I think one of the responses was it would have been nice, but then like it just it would just get a little bit too corporatey.
0: Well, And the yeah.
1: like, and that's sort of, it would just sort of get a bit too, like, fad, sort of, like, trendy sort of thing. I'm not sure, ex- exactly sure... <sighs> Uh, what they've uh,
0: said in
1: that panel, but it's sort of
0: kind of tr- well, you're, Yes. Towards you're that. kind yeah. of at the mercy of any sponsors on some yeah. level. Yes. But, and we've said this before, I'm not talking about sponsors. I'm just talking about changing some things up. Yeah. Uh, because it's more or less the same thing year after year after year. And, On a certain level, that's kind of fine. But I think every other year or two, you need to be trying to do something different. Yeah, Uh, Having regular panels is fine, but maybe you need to designate one of those panel rooms for like half a day to a day to doing something totally different and dramatic. What that would be, I don't know, because I've never been to any other conventions. I don't have any other ideas as far as like what other conventions could that. What are other things that other conventions do that this one could maybe adopt periodically or something like that? Um, I don't know. There's just – there's not enough there, – there's not enough differentiation. I mean, other than the topics of some of the panels and where certain things – move from year to year like artist alley used to be in one place and it moved to to one other spot now it's in another spot like outside of that it's the same thing and and i know i've been to uh Wizard World when it came here for
1: a few years but no, no longer is but then uh, Galaxy Con comes here like later in the year uh, here in Minneapolis and although I didn't go to that one but as far as I when I went to Wizard World Comic Con uh, here is that they sort of melded things together under screw me under one roof even though it was over at the Minneapolis Convention Center but like mm-hmm. they have like all your vendors, like uh guest meet and greets. And then like a stage where people can like show off their costumes and all that, like custom contests or like any other different kinds of contests that they might come up with. And then like several other rooms. And then one humongous big room for like, sp- like the big guests, Uh, Panels and all that, and then some, yeah, like smaller areas. But they sort of melded things together. But when it comes to this specific convention, it's it's at a hotel, and they sort of kind of close things off in in those uh, in that big uh, hall that uh, Crown Plaza has. So they just sort of walled them off with those temporary walls. And uh, and then, of course, they have other rooms sort of scattered around the hotel. So I think one of the things about it is that they always have it at that hotel where it seems to me that sort of over the years, it's sort of kind of getting outgrown. I mean, the hotel is literally right across from an, like an actual convention center where they could possibly mm-hmm. do it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to dive too much into it because some of this we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I just like. I'm just going to kind of end my little piece by saying this. I have seen a handful of people already, some whom I've talked to at previous GFest, others who I have seen but never really talked to before at previous GFest, have already said – and these are people that have been going for a long time. Uh, Quite a few uh, at least have even been going quite a bit longer than we have, and some of those – people are saying they're not planning on going for the next few years. Part of it is due to burnout and another part of it is kind of what we've been saying. There's just no uh, differentiation year to year. There's nothing that really um, you know, makes it unique uh you know from year to year at least you know every couple of years and min- and, and uh, the the people like I, I want to say there's been like five or six people who I've seen um, uh, um posting on people's walls or even in a few uh, other kaiju related pages that I follow who have said yeah they don't intend on going the next couple of years because of those two reasons and um and I, and I would argue look outside of the burnout sure even if something changes year to year you can eventually get burnout but I would argue the burnout would be slower if there was something new and unique each and every year or mm-hmm. something like that and you can't just change the guests all the time I'm sorry like look that's not to say I don't like seeing uh, some of the guests um, That that's not what I'm saying but that that's not the entire convention um yeah it, it, it's not and i love akira takarata i love seeing the guy but he's been coming on average almost every other year since we've been going well and it's I, like okay sure every year some new people come into the g fest and they have never gotten to meet him before but like almost when you're bringing in someone like that almost every other year there's not a whole lot of new material because they talk, uh, they they tell a lot of the same stories that most of us have heard before. And you go to G Fest, you know, we've been going for eight years. This will be our ninth year this year. I I kid you not like 95 to 99% of the people I see, there are people whom I've seen over, number of previous G-Fests and a large bulk of the attendees at G-Fest are people like us who have been going for odd number of years if not longer and you know that's kind and and I just think I, I feel like g-fest maybe at a point and just kind of going from what you and i are talking about potentially doing in the coming years and what i've also seen recently from people online is that i am i'm afraid that g-fest has come to a point where for a lot of people who have been coming to these for a while it's it's going to it's going to hurt them I think and in in a number of ways and I just think it's it's been at, it's been long overdue for GFest to really start to um, do something new and different
1: yeah and and that's one of the things I've sort of noticed too and I and I know we've sort of discussed of possibly going to powercon which is a he-man specific uh convention over in LA that only last for I think two days. But yeah. from what I've seen over the recent years, they've been really improving that convention quite a bit. And that they yeah. were they were at a small hotel, I think,
0: a few years ago, but then now they've gradually upgraded to much bigger places. And that's part of the G fest problem too is that they hold everything within the Crown Plaza, but they need I think to consider either moving it entirely to maybe a bigger hotel or even holding it during a time in which that convention hall across the street is available. Sure, that's probably expensive to rent, but But then then you may have to think about either raising attendance prices, which, yeah, could hurt overall attendance, or, yeah, you may have to think about sponsorships. And, yeah, they're thinking about, well, we don't want it to be too fat and stuff. It's like, well… Think of it this way: the kaiju genre is very much a niche in this country, and part of that is due to the fact that you try to keep things like this small. And I'm not saying make it go corporate, but work closely with maybe some sponsors who have, uh, you know, maybe sort of a vested interest within the genre too. Like, and this is just a this is just a, a plain old idea that I have. I'm not saying it's you know something that would work, but just for. Just for an an example purpose, say like you go after Mill Creek, okay? Mill Creek could maybe sponsor and help pay for the bill of renting the convention center. Why go after somebody like Mill Creek? Because Mill Creek has been producing like your Ultraman stuff, okay? Not not only just
1: Ultraman, but Gamera and some
0: of the other tokusatsu-related This would help Mill Creek. You would advertise them. People would maybe be more aware, especially those who are relatively new and come into the convention. Uh, they would have more s- skin in the game. There's this, you know, and people would have more of an opportunity maybe to buy their products either during the convention or after the convention. Maybe even before, if people understand that hey, this is, you know, work with pot- potentially companies or what have you that would have some skin in this convention and and maybe sponsor it like something like that like i'm I'm not saying mill creek is gonna work i'm just doing it for example purposes like go after you know don't go after walmart or something like that but like go after a company that has been you know that has that has been producing products or has some or, interest within this genre, or possibly legendary. They've been making. Like- uh, they're not going to do that. That's <laughs> Chinese owned, more or less now. So that's I don't think going to happen. <laughs> but something like Mill Creek. I mean, it's it's big enough, but yet not so big that you know. And to my understanding, Mill Creek is still solely U.S. based. So. I don't know. That's just an idea, but, mm-hmm. um, anyways, let's kind of move off. I wasn't planning <laughs> on talking about that, but yeah, G fest, just please change some things. I mean, I, I, I still enjoy it in some respects, but it's not, it isn't as enjoyable anymore just because it's the same thing year after year, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh,
1: but, uh, before we dive into our, um, uh... Uh, main topic for this episode i just want to uh, make aware to those that if you haven't subscribed to us today on youtube uh make sure to hit the subscribe button down below and also the uh, notification bell icon to get the latest updates and and i know that we discussed about this earlier but um for the time being, we won't be on some of the multiple streaming networks right now, such as Twitch, DLive, and or Periscope. So we're gonna only be on YouTube for the time being, or. St- possibly we're not going to be live on youtube for the time being uh depending upon our little situation that we're dealing with right now but uh we're we're available however on the uh, following podcast networks such as apple Podcasts, google play iHeartRadio, radio spotify and uh tune in and uh you can also uh follow us on these uh uh, social media networks, and just search for Daikaiju Network. And we also have a website, too, at daikaijunetwork.com.
0: So. All right. So this episode, we are going to be discussing 1962's Gorath, directed by Ashiro Honda. Uh, before I get into production releases and a plot overview, I want to say, um, coming into this, uh, Jason and I are going to have a little bit Uh, Different perspectives on this movie Uh, That is because he only has The Japanese version of this film I have both the US and the Japanese Version of this film My goal Coming into this podcast today Was to watch both during the week Unfortunately, the week got busy and crazy, and I actually lost track of time, and I didn't have enough time to watch both. And since I knew Jason had only the Japanese version, I decided to go ahead and just watch the U.S. version. Now, I have seen the Japanese version before. I've seen it a couple of times. So, although it's been a couple of years, but I do remember things about it that were dramatically different from this i don't remember everything um but jason's gonna provide more of a better perspective on that because he's the one who just recently saw that version so when i'm talking about the movie here most of what i'm reviewing and talking about is more about the u.s however again I am still relatively familiar enough with the Japanese cut that I'm also talking about the original cut of this movie. So, basically, I'm talking about the whole kit and caboodle in many respects. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that in a moment. Well, let's just get to, to some of the, the details of Gorath and... So the movie was released March 21st, 1962 in Japan. Its running time is 88 minutes, and its budget was approximately 126 million yen. Its U.S. release, uh, it was picked up by Brenco Pictures through Allied Artist Pictures, and it was double billed with The Human Vapor. Like a number of kaiju and tokusatsu films that came over during this period, it was heavily edited. And the most notable edit was the omission of the walrus-like kaiju magma. The U.S. running time is significantly shorter, at 77 minutes. It was released over here in the States uh, on May 15, 1964. Again, that's also when The Human Vapor uh, came out as well, because double-billed. Um, hold on, excuse me. Okay, Um, Its general critical reception in the States at that time was that it was considered a pretty decent film, uh, with the special effects receiving most of the praise uh, in most of those uh, critical critical reviews. So the plot, uh, more or less, to Gorath is that in 1979, uh, the planet Gorath is a free-floating planet whose trajectory is towards Earth – Initial plans are to try and destroy the rogue planet. However, with Gorath's Gorath's mass 6,000 times that of the Earth's and the fact that its physical makeup is similar to that of the sun's, the planet becomes indestructible and is continuing to grow in size and mass by the day as it consumes everything in its path.' The next plan is to move the Earth just out of its orbit via using every available natural resource to power numerous rockets in the South Pole. The plan succeeds, but due to Gorath's trajectory and the fact it continues to grow, the planet gets close enough to Earth to cause massive tidal waves that flood many coastal areas. Storms wreak havoc as well, and random earthquakes open the planet and consume the landscapes. Gorath passes by the Earth and continues its trek into space as humanity is saved, and the movie comes... To a close, so um, this is very much a "When Worlds Collide" type of film. Uh, "When Worlds Collide," if I remember correctly, came out in 1958, a huge success, and um, it, in many respects, it had the general idea is very similar to that of "When Worlds Collide," um, mm-hmm. and. Here's the thing, and I know this may not be a, a popular opinion, but get ready for the remainder of this podcast to be nothing but me crapping on this film for the most part. <clears throat> Uh, And I hate showing my hand out of the gate this early, but I've always found this movie to be incredibly boring for the most part. The U.S. edit, however, is absolutely horrible. Uh, I cannot stress enough how terrible this particular version is. Uh, It's very obvious in numerous scenes that material was cut because the edits were... Awful uh, Characterizations are awful. The story is absolutely confusing and hard to follow, and it's one of the worst edits of a Toho film I've ever seen. However, the only movie that has a worse treatment than this is Varan. Anybody who has seen the U.S. edit of Varan the Unbelievable I think can vouch for me that that one is more <coughs> terrible – however it's not that much more terrible by a long shot it's maybe by like that much i mean both u.s edits of uh, veron and gorath are horrendous so if you ever want to watch this movie absolutely stay away from the u.s edit um it's atrocious sure you get a dub uh and the dubbing is actually pretty decent but everything else about it is just pure garbage Um, but yeah so Jason why don't you kind of like jump in and talk a little bit about this movie (laughs)
1: Um, well I did have a couple DVD versions Mm. of the movie and the only and this one here I think you just recently gave to me Was by far the best one because like the film treatment and stuff was far superior compared to the other one that you gave me years ago. It's like it was just poor quality and like it couldn't really like play or anything. So I'm just going to throw that in the trash but, um, <laughs> but, um, As you
0: should this whole movie, regardless.
1: <laughs> but, regardless of just that particular DVD that I mentioned, but after, uh, I think I've only seen the movie twice, um, before. And the first time I watched it, it was the US version that was, uh, available for free on Amazon Prime many years ago. And I sort of thought I was okay um, at the time, but then after watching this one, the original, uh, as far as like the characters in this one, I thought that they were uh, not too bad in this one. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I, mean- I
1: really, I really liked how a lot of the people that portrayed their characters in this. Uh, film i thought they did a really good job and they sort of fit the roles of their characters and yeah. they really did try their best and
0: so like this movie the u.s edit is 11 minutes shorter and it shows in so many areas um i do remember one of the scenes very clearly that's cut out um was that um, when Akira Kubo's character and the guy who plays Ito in the original Ultraman series, and in fact, in the U.S., I don't know if this is true in the Japanese edit, but in the U.S. version, he's also called Ito. Um, but they, he, they and a couple of the, the, their other fellow cadets take this helicopter and they go flying off yeah in the japanese cut i think it shows several minutes of them flying around that helicopter which i remember being boring as hell yeah um um, but in the u.s edit, all they show is them taking off and the and their other cadets on the ground waving goodbye and that's that they don't show uh, and i thought at least in the u.s cut that actually was a good edit so yeah (laughs) however to me it's
1: that wasn't quite as boring compared to the scene that was in Latitude Zero.
0: <laughs> hey, I forget <laughs> that Latitude very, Zero, the
1: very boring. long, boring
0: scene in Latitude Zero. But- no, OK. Um, tell me, because uh, I don't remember how the Japanese movie starts out, but in the U.S. version – the movie starts out with Juntazaki and his crew uh, already out in space, and then they come across Gorath and then Gorath eventually after like five ten minutes at least, eventually ends up pulling the rocket in and destroys them. Is that how the uh, Japanese version opens because I don't remember um, yeah, um,
1: yeah, they show I would say just a little bit. But- like with them on the ground, and then well they had like the uh, if if I can remember their names uh kumi Mizuno and uh Yumi Shirakawa their characters <laughs> that they were uh, right along this uh this like oh yeah there's like that yeah that driving along the seashore to- yeah, so that that happened and then you see the rocket going up and then
0: So basically, it's still the same. uh, Okay, because – and maybe certain moments were cut in the U.S. Again, like I said, it's been a couple years since I've seen the Japanese one. But in the U.S., it seems so very stilted how there just isn't enough buildup. Like on one hand, it makes some sense, but on the other hand, it doesn't just because – Technically, we are shown generic astronauts who just happen to run across this rogue planet and then eventually after 10 minutes or so end up getting sucked in and destroyed. Well, I wouldn't Uh, say I wouldn't say a rogue planet. I would say a rogue star, rogue star, rogue planet, a rogue celestial body. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) We'll get it. We'll we'll kind of meet each other in the middle there. (laughs) (laughs) but
1: um yeah as as far as the overall thing as i've watched the japanese version to me i would say the japanese version would be far superior than the u.s version that i've seen many years ago i would actually prefer prefer that one but as far as as i go um, after watching this movie, I think, I think it's not too terribly bad of a film in a way. I think with how the Japanese version goes to me, a lot of stuff made much more sense.
0: Yeah, And, and again, I, if I wasn't clear enough, starting out this discussion, I want to take this moment to be perfectly clear in that, um, I will say it this way uh, again: Stay away from the U.S. Edit. I, I mean, it is atrocious. Like, there's nothing redeemable about the U.S. Edit, other than if you, like, with an uh, uh, an absolute hash and hate subtitles. Like the only good thing about the U.S. is that it's dubbed. That's really about it. Um, But I do remember that the characterizations were a little bit better in the Japanese version. The story does make a little bit more sense in the Japanese version. Now for me, anyways, does that make the movie any better? It's like, yes, but not enough. Um, So yeah, I want to make that perfectly clear. So like, Jason, have you seen any of the following movies that I'm about to mention here? And these are U.S.-produced films. Uh, Conquest of Space, have you seen that? Uh, I would have I have to and say And these are no. all classic science fiction films.
1: Conquest of Space. For some reason, something's telling me yes, but it's you probably, probably been a that.
0: long time ago. Okay, have you seen the Magnetic Monster? Um, I've heard of that one, but no. Have you seen Riders to the Stars? No. Have you seen Gog? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so this particular movie, Gorath, Mm -hmm. sort of, in a very small way, Kind of reminds me um, Of A movie like Gog The Magnetic Monster Riders to the Star Conquest of Space The reason why I say that is that those films Anybody who's ever seen them And in fact actually uh, Magnetic Monster Riders to the Stars And Gog are Sort of like a trilogy They're very loosely connected to each other But they're sort of considered A trilogy And um, Those films are science fiction, but they are very scientific-heavy, meaning that there is a lot of science going on. There's not a whole lot of drama. What those movies center around is more about the technicalities of the science that is on display in those films okay mm-hmm. and yes you do occasionally get drama but it's very sparse in the films like the magnetic monster really nothing happens until the very end like it's like f- five minutes of action and it's actually good action i like those films but i will admit those are kind of hard to stay awake for too. this movie gorath is similar to that except it's not as closely based in the science world like those other films are because obviously we have a walrus-like kaiju in this film okay that's not a real thing and then Mm -hmm. another thing is we move the damn planet (laughs) Uh, okay I have I have to say this right now regardless whether it's the US or the Japanese version The main – one of the main reasons, in fact, the biggest reason why I really don't care for this movie is because of the stupid solution that they have in this movie, to move the earth. Well, and then it's
1: like – yeah, that's one of my nitpicks about that part too is that if you move the planet and then try to raise it up, you're going to eventually – Take it out of orbit and it's just going to keep going in one direction. It's, and, you know, you don't even have like a, you didn't even build a backup solution on a North Pole. But the North Pole isn't like the South Pole where you have Antarctica. The North Pole is mainly just a huge ocean
0: right there. And, and it's not just that. To me, it's not a nitpick. To me, this is it, it, this is a serious flaw. And it's not um, like we always talk about Toho science. Anybody who has been a longtime fan of Godzilla films or kaiju films, we always eventually talk about Toho science. You know, it's science that's a little kind of out there, but in more cases than not, it's believable enough that you go along with it. Mm-hmm. This Toho science that is. Com- complete Honda Subarai, smoking weed and just deciding this is a a great idea to do and we're going to do it. And I'm so disappointed in Honda and everybody who has worked on this film because I find it hard to believe that in 1962 there wasn't information out there that would say hey, if you move the planet out of its orbit bad shit's going to happen because technically it's going to affect the climate it's going to affect uh, weather patterns with that it's going to affect tides the moon even gets destroyed right at the very end of this movie the moon helps with tides and everything and, else and also, as well
1: i also liked how when the moon destroyed no one never really realized or mentioned anything yes. about that
0: and, and again this is 1962 and i find it hard to believe that and i could be wrong but even then i would think on some level there was maybe enough science to at least suggest that if you move the earth out of its orbit it's basically fucks with everything on this planet like it's the, like I said, if I was five years old, I wouldn't think about this. Like it would be a big, and uh, yeah,
1: was it, I've watched, uh, was it the history channel has a YouTube channel and they've released, uh, like full episodes of 10 ways how the earth will be destroyed. And I, one of one of the episodes I watched is like the similar situation of how worlds collide and everything, and they showed like this planet that's probably I would say several times the size of Earth and bigger mass and they sh- talked about how if uh the moon was destroyed and they showed like a little three d demonstration uh, like situation if if it was destroyed then everyone. Like, like it's been a fixture to our culture, like global culture for thousands of years and that it's just gone within the blink of an eye and everyone is just start panicking and everything. But in this movie, that just didn't really, really matter or they just didn't even think about it.
0: Yeah, and like I said, I find it hard to believe that there wasn't information already out there that said, look, if this were to happen, we are screwed. I mean, like I said, my suspension of disbelief can go far, but it got destroyed. Like, my suspension of disbelief got drugged, beat over the head with bricks, uh, you know, and then just drunked up. I mean, it just I I I'm like I told my wife yesterday when I was talking to her about this movie, I said that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in the history of films. And I've seen a lot of things and like I told her, I said it what makes it even worse What makes this whole idea that they put in this movie, this whole solution to solve this Gorath problem, what makes it worse is that it is – this movie is made by a lot of the same people – especially the anchors of this film were involved in helping to create and produce some of the finest Godzilla movies ever. And the fact that they just kind of either didn't care or whatever makes it even worse. The, the fact that they pooped (laughs) all over it with (laughs) this stupid, stupid solution. And, and again, I know it's a movie, but it's just like, I'm sorry. My suspension of disbelief can, always goes, can only go so far. And when I first saw this movie uh, for the first time four years ago, when I first saw this, and I realized that's what the solution was and the fact that it was actually going to work. And then the fact that eventually the moon gets destroyed as well. I said, nope done you <laughs> you suck you lose it just and it and like i said the fact that it's produced by honda suburaiya many of the other people have worked on godzilla films you know for a while there in the showa period and the fact that this same crew is responsible for producing some of those finer godzilla movies makes it that much worse in my opinion because it's like I mean, look, we're all entitled to have bad days and bad pieces of work. In fact, I think this is one of Honda's worst films. I don't think it's the worst. I think there is one film, and I'm not going to mention the name uh, right now in this podcast because we're eventually going to cover that down the road. And when we get to it, I will make sure that you are aware that this is his worst film. But Gorath (laughs) is right up there. Um, It just it it just is so unbelievably stupid I just <laughs> I just like it like you can see me I am actually angry I am angry because it's like Don't, okay your expressions this- ain't showing it just yet <laughs> what (laughs) but like if this was made by a novice director someone who was brand new or whatever and just didn't have the sort of like (laughs) like intelligence and just kind of the craftsmanship that honda and his crew had i would be like look this movie's stupid but you know hey it's stupid still avoid it but it makes me even more angry that respectable Artists and creatives like Honda, Subarai and all these guys who also helped make some of the best Godzilla movies during the Showa period, if not in the entire franchise, the fact that they went along with this solution for this movie makes me even more angry because I'm like, "Damn it, guys, you know better!" Like, <laughs> just that's what makes it even more frustrating. You know, it, it's just, you know. It's just like if you, I don't know. I don't know what to compare it to, but you get my point. It's just like these guys who, yes, will kind of create some Toho science stuff that's maybe a little out there, but it's not like overly like just disastrous. This is disastrous. It is a raccoon sitting out in the middle of the street pooping seeing you throwing a dirty hamburger at your windshield flipping you off and then you smash into it and it's guts and everything splatter all over your car you hit a telephone pole you fly out the windshield you get impaled by a pole 20 feet away like it is that big of a disaster it just oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry Jason you gotta talk for a little while I
1: calm down <laughs> but um, bes- besides all that fucking um uh, uh i would say it's it's not that i would say the remainder of it isn't really that bad but
0: it's kind of like well the remainder isn't
1: <laughs> just only only that solution is probably sort
0: of what <laughs> that's it's, the line it's the best line ever it's like well the remainder it's just kind of like you're given a participation trophy to the movie
1: but, <laughs> well it's like I would say the majority of the movie isn't that bad but the solution that they try to put in this movie is so, sort of okay. you know. <laughs> sort of completely destroys everything.
0: Okay. Yeah. Like I will interrupt here for a second and just say, okay, you are right. This really, the rest of the movie isn't that bad. Is it still kind of boring? Yes. And again, I do remember the Japanese version to some extent, not all of it, but even the American version, because that's the one I watched leading into this podcast. Um even the American one, though, forget about the the ending and the just in general the solution here. Um, the rest of the American cut is still just god awful and boring. So. <laughs> And then
1: uh also one of the things I want to touch upon that in the Japanese version they do have magma whereas in the, yes, the US understand. version they omitted that part which yeah, I said to me when I when I noticed that when I watched it the very first time the US version I was sort of expecting magma to be in the in the movie but then once I didn't see it I was like what the fuck? Why? Why is he? Why is he not in the movie? But uh, apparently they did omit him. And uh, but uh, after watching the the Japanese version, I think this, well the second time around uh, before not seeing it up until now, uh, is that he's only in the movie for about I would say just under five minutes or something of the sort.
0: Yeah, he's barely in it. In the U.S. edit, and this is one of those moments in the U.S. cut where it's very obvious something was missing because the edits in that part of the movie where Magma's supposed to be, it is done horribly. There are a couple of sequences that are repeated twice and the dialogue and the storytelling that is being done in that sequence is so confusing and hard to follow and it's it's awful. Yeah, and
1: the way, uh, like, they, they do kill off uh, Magma, but I didn't realize how gruesome <laughs> that they, yeah. when they showed him like, dead in the The whole trench area of Antarctica. They actually showed like his dead body, and you see like blood and stuff. And yeah, it just, it just, I didn't realize how gruesome it was. And this is the second time I've seen the Japanese
0: original version. Tsuburaya must have really had a hatred for walruses or something. (laughs) (laughs) I, okay. (sighs) Yeah, there's but. something else I want you to sort of elaborate on for the Japanese version. So, in the U.S. edit, when Akira Kubo and his crew go up into space to try to confront and potentially destroy Gorath, he goes out in the small ship, and as he gets a little bit closer to Gorath, like the flashing and explosions of Gorath get him to have a, have amnesia and he goes back to the main ship and you know his fellow crewmen are trying to figure things out and he has amnesia and then in the u.s edit his character disappears for like 10-15 minutes then they show him go to kumi mizuno's apartment for like two three minutes and then he disappears again until the very end when Gorath is passing by earth and all the natural disasters are happening Hmm. and then he watches Gorath on the TV screen this is another dumbass thing that happens in this movie where he somehow comes out of his amnesia by staring into Gorath again but only this time via television screen Um, and then that's it like He comes back, and then that's it. It's solved. Again, regardless of whether it's the U.S. or Japanese version, it's a dumbass solution. And again, I expect better from Honda. Um, But in the Japanese version... Does he still disappear for long periods of time after he first gets amnesia? Because in the U.S. edit, his character is nowhere to be seen for the longest time. Um. Well, when he
1: uh, does get back to the ship, and then with the amnesia, that they'll have, they'll show him in the ship, and you know, with the crew members around. And I think. Um, he might be gone for at least a few or so minutes, but then they do. Um, yeah, I think. Now, I think probably the next time you do see him was at uh, Kumi's uh, apartment. But then after that, they'll have him over at the one gal's place. Um, towards towards the end. And then he'll look at the screen, then sees all the like the flashes of light and then goes in, uh, okay. goes like passes out, but then wakes up and then is
0: back to normal. So you're confirming my worst fears in that regardless of which version you watch, it's a complete and utter failure. <laughs> um Boy, that's disappointing. But I know, like, beforehand, you'll
1: see him quite a bit as himself, right up until he, uh,
0: like, passes out and then, right, yeah, gets amnesia yeah but I didn't know if there were more scenes of them like trying to work him out of his amnesia in the Japanese one because like I said I don't remember everything from that but I just was like this can't be right like they had to have cut out at least one or two more scenes of him because this just makes no sense in terms of how they handled it like it's just you have to watch it because it's poorly handled like a lot of things however (laughs) I'm going to start talking about the one really good area of this film, and I think it deserves an awful, awful lot of praise, and that is the effects work. I think the miniatures, the sets, the many different working parts uh, with like the machinery and everything, how the models look, um, the effects work in this movie is absolutely fantastic, and I will go on record saying it very well could be Suburaya's best.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed a lot of the visual effects, and I really liked how they made Gorath uh, the way it was. The only gripes that I did see in it was, like, one of the scenes where uh, uh, Kirakubo's character and then Ito, where they were in that uh, little chamber just... You know uh floating in zero gravity and there's one one
0: of the shots that you can definitely see strains <laughs> a I couldn't Kira US Kubo. Edit because my us edit like the the quality of the the video is not good <laughs> yeah. well at
1: least this one that i got is really good quality but like you can definitely See it plain as day, and then one of the shots too with Gorath, you'll see like at least a couple strange attached to <laughs> that as well. That's that's the like the only things that I I noticed. But other than that, uh, I really like the the matte screen uh, matte screens, and also the matte paintings uh, for that matter, like for the background scenes. <laughs> And it, it like a lot of things really uh melded well, and yeah I get like like you have some of the miniatures going by, but then you also have like actual people in front or like even machinery too. I saw some like one of the shots that had like actual machinery blended in with like miniature machinery it looked like <laughs> like it was part of it.
0: Yeah, and I mean the effects work is just spectacular The miniatures One scene that I I forgot about And was really impressed with And it's an animation um, Is As Gorath's passing by Saturn Oh yeah (laughs) Rings of Saturn like gradually just kind of come apart and then start floating towards Gorath as it's coming cl- like that. It, and it's just this animation, but how it's animated, it's so fluid and it looks so realistic. Uh, I really like that uh, mm. moment as well.
1: Yeah. And then they also have like, I think Haley's comet or just like it, sure any other comet. ordinary yeah. comet in there too and i like how once it impacted the like this little tail trail
0: uh Mm -hmm. just disappears yeah because everything's getting sucked in this thing's got it's getting bigger but its mass is also uh just incredible Mm -hmm. um You know how Honda, like his ideology is that of being a pacifist and that in a lot of his movies, he tries to work in the countries of the world coming together to solve a greater problem. If there was a movie that I think really captures that ideology of his, it's this movie Um, because All of a sudden, you know, kind of once Gorath is discovered and they realize it's on its way to Earth, like the world literally stops and they come together to solve this. And I think this movie is from a Honda ideological standpoint, the quintessential Honda film in -hmm. terms of portraying uh, that type of ideology that he's that he embraced and is very well known for. Yeah. Yeah, it it really does.
1: And it it obviously shows within this film. And I think a lot of the films, but it really does show in this, uh, film for Gorath. It, It just, like just you you see tons of nations like in that when they were at the United Nations you see a bunch of nations uh there and you see a lot of uh, other foreigners within this movie too that play a role as scientists and everything it, it yeah it, it
0: really shows in this movie <laughs> Um, if you don't have anything else, I'm actually ready for final thoughts and a rating on this. Yeah, I
1: don't
0: really. I, people don't know what I'm thinking.
1: <laughs> I I don't have anything else. I mean, it's, it's one of those sorts of movies, just like just trying to figure out what the solution is and trying to avoid uh, the planet getting destroyed by like yeah. a celestial body. There you go.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and that I came into that issue when i was writing my notes up and everything i realized there isn't much to this it's not like a kaiju movie um where you can go through and talk a lot about the different moving parts so to speak um here it's basically like a couple of bare bones things that you talk about and you know it's like for example three or four things and then after that it's like you really can't go anywhere else. So. Yeah. The, I mean, there
1: there is kaiju in here if you actually call it that, but it's it's only in there for five, I would say less than five minutes. Yeah. Uh, who
0: wants to go first for their conclusion and rating? Uh, I would say you go first. <laughs> All right. So buckle up. This is kind of a longer one. It's longer than the plot synopsis I gave earlier. Uh, and be prepared. Be prepared for a lot of venom to be thrown at this film. <laughs> Goreth is a movie I've always had a hard time enjoying. It's sort of similar in vain to such American productions as Gog, the Magnetic Monster, and Riders to the Stars. All of those movies have wonderful productions but are a bit bland in demonstrating drama. However, those movies have a bit more entertainment value than Gorath as they don't introduce such preposterous ideas like moving the Earth out of its orbit. This one idea slash solution is what really kills the movie for me regardless of which version I watch. I'm all for Toho Science and any other fictitious forms of science uh, filmmakers want to bring to their films. But this is beyond ridiculous, and I'm deeply disappointed in Honda and his crew for going along with this stupid idea. I find it hard to believe that people wouldn't have known in 1962 that the idea of moving Earth out of its orbit would not affect the planet. It's lazy and dumb. In the U.S. edit. Partly due to its shorter runtime, the conclusion comes all too quickly and easily. The, then the final 10 to 15 minutes involve boring cave-ins, which the magma kaiju was cut in this version, and Akira Kubo's character Tatsu coming out of his amnesia by staring into Gora through the television screen. This method was how he got amnesia in the first place. Again, things are solved quickly and undramatically. It's a shame... To see such a great cast, by and large, go to waste in a story that is so lazy, dumb, and devoid of any real substance. Eiji Subarai's special effects are the only reason why anyone should see this movie. The effects are numerous, intricate, expansive, and incredibly detailed. I'd argue that this could be his best work. I would advise people to stay completely away from the U.S. edit of this movie. The Japanese edit does a better job of telling a more cohesive story, but the entertainment value isn't much better, and it's obviously still going to suffer from the same preposterous solutions of how to approach the threat of Gorath colliding with the Earth." with this movie by and large being a clone of sorts of when worlds collide i would have thought that the solution in this movie would have been the same if not similar to that movie which was building a large craft to transport as many people off the planet as possible and to settle on another earth-like planet that conclusion while still in some degrees a bit far-fetched is significantly more believable than moving the earth out of its orbit it's more grounded in reality than the solution this film proposes With all that said, I wouldn't recommend Gorath Other than to see Subarai's fantastic effects work It's a shame, because this movie had a whole lot of potential to be exciting and fun It is none of that It's lazy and utterly disappointing Especially since it's produced by a crew That has made some of the finest and most entertaining kaijun tokusatsu films of all time It isn't Honda's worst in the genre We will cover that at a later time on this podcast But it's certainly up there with his worst film Obviously, it's a pass. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: for my overall review with Gorath, after watching the the original Japanese version, I think it's... I would obviously say it's many years better than the U.S. version by far. But um, the overall story, it's... It's okay. Um, I would say the cast in this uh, film is really good. They tried to really do their best and try to at least hold up the movie. And the visual effects miniatures are just really, really, really good. But as far as the solution of how they try to avoid uh, colliding with Gorath, I, I just think it really just sort of ruined the movie and just, and just sort of like, can not I just, I have a certain tolerance when it comes to certain disbelief (laughs) and and stuff and like trying to avoid by, you know, moving the earth uh, out of its normal orbit, but then, once Goreth passes, how the hell are you going to try to get the Earth back into its normal or- orbit? You can't because you have you know, solid footing in the South Pole with Antarctica, but then as far as the North Pole, there's nothing there but the ocean. How the hell are you going to <laughs> – construct another versions of, like, the rockets that you've done in the South Pole, but you can't because of the damn ocean that's up there. (laughs) It's like you're basically going to be floating out in space and going out of... (laughs) the solar system and you're basically effed both ways <laughs> in, in this situation.
0: And then and they're and they're just like, no, shut up, Jason. You're not supposed <laughs> to be thinking about that. Everything's hunky-dory. <laughs> so that's that's sort of where my
1: disbelief ends right there is a ridiculous solution to the whole entire thing to avoid Gorath. But um On that note, I would say besides that part, the rest of the movie technically isn't all that bad, but I'd say it's not quite as exciting compared to some of the other movies. That we've seen that were made by some of the same people. So, with me, as far as the Japanese version of the film, I would have to say a rent, but at least something that probably shouldn't see for, for, for at least once in a while. If something, if you feel like watching the movie and just maybe want to, smoke something I don't know and, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I would say go go for it seriously especially if you just want something that's so ridiculous like just melting your brain sort of effed up theories <laughs> or something like that go
0: with this i I just realized we should have a fourth um uh rating Uh, For our movies. What is that? And this technically would be considered worse than a pass. And that rating will be called Participation Trophy. (laughs) It's a movie, and here's a ribbon for, you know, being a movie. (laughs) That's like about it. That's what this movie is. It's a participation trophy. It's just like, yeah, you exist, and that's about it. (laughs) But.
1: I would say when it comes to the Japanese version, it's at least a rent. Something that you could possibly see once in a great while. Because the last time I saw this movie was probably several years ago. Uh, Probably on our, I would say, third round or fourth round of going to G-Fest.
0: That's probably the last time I saw this movie. And so I I guess... And I thought about this a little bit yesterday after I got done watching the U.S. movie and was doing all my notes and stuff here. Um, I thought to myself, OK, like I still remember a decent portion of the Japanese film and I even thought to myself, OK, it's it's very obvious I hate the U.S. version and that in general, um, you know, again, the solution being the same in both edits of the film and the fact that that is, you know, that's dumber than a bag of utensils and. Um, i just thought to myself okay what if i did watch have the time and watch the japanese cut would i still consider the film as a pass or a rent it would not be um, a buy guaranteed it would not be that high um and i thought to myself for a while i'm like well you know, the characterizations are a bit better in that movie, not by a huge margin, though. Story is easier to follow um, in the Japanese cut. And then I thought to myself, okay, the solution's still there, which is a huge thumbs down, regardless. And, um,. And then I wondered too, what about the entertainment value? Would that be any better? And I thought to myself for a moment, and I'm like no. And so if if I, I'm giving the Japanese cut myself even a pass, it, it's sort of for me sitting close to that that marker of maybe Barely being a rent, but I just am like, you know, there's still, in my opinion, not enough there to get it over that line into rent territory. Um, So, yeah, I would say the Japanese, if we did the four rating system, I would have the US that would be a participation trophy, and I would have the Japanese one be a pass.
1: understandable yeah can't complain <laughs>
0: <laughs> um and so with that we're going to conclude the podcast thank you so much for listening or watching wherever you are viewing or listening to this um we're not sure uh, jason and i will talk off air here in a moment about well and then whether, whether or not we're going to do anything yeah. the rest of this month and then regardless we're going to let everybody know what things are going to be like on social media
1: yeah and sadly we didn't see uh, our regulars for today especially you know we we did have a thing scheduled but then after this whole situation with Lightstream that just came to life just before we started uh the episode here it just sort of i i guess just sort of ruined everything so uh, that's that's at least understandable Way to go, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh, we at least for the time being we don't quite have a solution right now so that's probably gonna have to be discussed uh I would say once we get done with the episode, although we did sort of say some of our solutions, but we don't have one pinned
0: down just as of yet. Nope. Um, I'm going to be checking out uh, some software, hopefully, uh, over the next week or so. Um, So that may be a possibility, but I got to check it out first
1: yeah but if if like to i'm um, talking to you kent if everything just sort of seems a bit easy at one of the th- software that you might be looking into just uh, let me know and i can send you some of the graphic assets here and it here and there and just sort of possibly build some uh, i don't want ask graphics <laughs> I said assets. (laughs) Oh,
0: asses. Well,
1: (laughs) not quite what I said, but, (laughs) but um, yeah. And then, of course, I got two assets
0: for Lightstream.
1: <laughs> then, of course, uh, early next month will actually be our tenth anniversary. Mm-hmm, that's uh, right. Our actual ten already. years already.
0: Man, I remember I when it was January. We're like, oh, it's like several months away, but and you know, yeah. it's going to be a while. Now here we are. We're ready. Yeah, to- so,
1: we so we should So we should. Once we get off, maybe talk a little bit about. If there's maybe some special thing that we should uh, like
0: bring up or talk about, uh, that sort of thing. So, um, well, I will tell you who I'm not inviting to that party and it's Lightstream.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see how many hours we have left uh, after we get done here. Cause as of right now, it says we have less than four hour, four streaming hours left. So, uh, hopefully that will catch that in anyways, Yeah, <laughs> but, it's, but it shows like a little bar up here, but it's not doing it real time. So, uh, once we get done and then, I refresh and everything, see if it actually does refresh and see how much we have left after this. Yeah. But, but yeah, other, other than that's, yeah thank you for watching and then also make sure you go to uh youtube and if you haven't uh, subscribed to us yet on youtube make sure to hit the subscribe button as well as the notification bell icon to get the the latest updates from us and as well as uh Follow us on, Uh, for the time being, the podcast network, such as uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. And as far as the streaming networks, I would say don't worry about those for right now. Uh, Completely ignore those for the time being, Uh, especially with our situation uh, for right now, and then
0: it's as far eventually, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then as far as other social media networks, uh, you can follow us there at these following networks and just search for Daikaiju Network. And as far as our website, you can find us over at daikaijunetwork.com dot com. So what's so funny? <laughs>
0: I just thought of a merchandise idea that I will tell you all fair. <laughs>
1: but,
0: well, yeah, well, I know like,
1: that we've sort of discussed about uh, some merchandise and I, and I well, think I might've showed, <laughs> showed you this one website that can uh, actually print t-shirts on demand. If not, I'll have to definitely show that to you. But, uh, as far as like, yeah, as merchandise, I know we talked about it, but we just haven't really fully fledged things well, out. Cause I know, like you've uh, mentioned to, to me when we were at G Fest last year, that uh, a couple and like a family that came up to you when you were going to our room yeah. and stuff that they said, Oh, we, they wanted yeah. my ball cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everything it's like, Well, we don't technically you know, sell anything right now. We just sort of print things specifically just for the two of us, just sort of promoting our podcast. That's the only thing that we've dealt with. So other than that, I've
0: got nothing else. Well, thank you so much for listening or watching and uh, we'll, just kind of keep you posted uh, in the next week or two as far as kind of um, uh, future shows and kind of uh, what the what the plan of attack is for when we do at least the next show. All right. Well, take care, everyone.
1: Godspeed. <laughs>